Well, good evening. I'm excited for this opportunity to be able to share from God's Word with you tonight. Um, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, I don't have very many visual aids tonight, so I would really encourage you to be able to open your Bibles and actively follow along as we're going to read from God's Word, as we're going to incline our ears and our hearts to see who He would have us to be, to learn more about who He is. And that's really, that's really why we're here tonight. So tonight we're going to be discussing an idea that's been particularly challenging to me. And as I've been reading through Ecclesiastes, and it's really begun to change my perspective on life. And so I hope you, you'll be able to gain something from our time together tonight. Let's go ahead and read uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. And that's going to be where we're going to, to draw uh, most of our thoughts from tonight. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So I think most people are probably familiar with the first part of this verse, as it's quoted quite a bit in the religious community, right? You've probably heard that. And I think we have a tendency to skip over the second part of this verse, this part about God putting eternity into a man's heart. So tonight, we're going to be asking the question, what does that mean? What does it mean that God has put eternity into our hearts? And so let's go back. I think it's important for us to understand the context first of Ecclesiastes before we get into what that means. If you would, go back to chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and as striving after the wind. So here's Solomon talking, and he's saying that he's tried everything in life, every pursuit of happiness that he could think of, and nothing left him satisfied. It was like he was just chasing after the wind, right? Can you imagine trying to catch wind? It just goes right through your fingers, right through your grasp. And that's what he compared pursuing happiness in, this, in what the world has to offer. It just doesn't lead anywhere. And so if, that, if that's a dead end, what else is there? Well, he goes on. He tries another way. In verse 17 of chapter 1, And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So then Solomon thought, you know, well, maybe if I just gather as much wisdom as I can, as much knowledge as I can, if I'm smarter than everyone else here, you know, then maybe I could be happy. Maybe I could be satisfied. But that didn't work out for him, did it? You know, sometimes I think we can have this similar mindset as we go through life. You know, if I could just graduate high school, you know, then I'll be good to go. I'll be, I'll be happier. And then, and then it's another step. If I could just get my associate's degree, you know, then I'll be happy. Then, then life will be easier. And then, no, if I could just get my bachelor's degree, then I'll be happy. Well, where does it end at? You know, Solomon says, life's not going to get easier. You're not going to be happier with all of that knowledge. He even says in verse 18 that it's actually going to increase your sorrow. 
Because with more knowledge, we're able to look around at the world and we're going to see more problems, right? But we still don't have the ability to fix those problems. Only God can fix this crippled world. Only he provides the solution. And there's nothing wrong with wanting knowledge, with wanting an education. But Solomon's just trying to get us to see that that is not where happiness lies. Okay, so what else is there? He's going to move on in chapter 2, verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and as striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained by it, or there nothing to be gained under the sun. So Solomon now thought, if I work super hard, if I work harder than everyone else around me, then I'll be satisfied. You know, I can just outwork you. I can, I can just get everything I need. I can earn my happiness. But Solomon, he, he didn't find anything there, did he? It was still like chasing the wind. And I think we can really relate to this as Americans because we're told, it's written in the Declaration of Independence, right? The pursuit of happiness, that that's our right. We're told that that can't be taken away from us. But Solomon says, Every pursuit of happiness is a dead end. It doesn't lead anywhere. So then he goes on further, and now in chapter 3, at the end of the chapter, in verse 18, he said, I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts. For all is vanity, all go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. So now Solomon's telling us, on the surface, it looks like we're no better off than an animal, right? Me and you and a bird all, go, all die. We're born, and then we die. And he's saying we all there's really no difference when you just look at the surface, when you just look at this life. And, you know, after hearing that, it's kind of depressing, right? It's like, well, Solomon, what's the, what's the point of life then? And I, I think he would agree that just, just looking at that, it makes life look pretty pointless. Unless, unless there's something more. Unless there's something beyond this life. Something more long-lasting at work. And I think that's what brings us back to chapter 3, verse 11. I think this verse is what ties it all together. This is really the key to understanding it, to connecting the dots. So let's read it one more time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So why is it that the things in this life cannot satisfy us? Why is it that we can't find our happiness in those things. Why could Solomon not find it? And it's because they're not eternal. They're temporary. And God has literally hardwired us or made us with eternity in mind. He's made us with a heart that longs for eternal things. And only those eternal things will ever satisfy us. And everything here is just temporary. It just passes away. It has a beginning and it has an end. And he, he in verse... 1 through 8 of chapter 3, he, he sort of, to get our mind in that right mindset of talking about things that have a beginning and an end, 
he gives us some examples of things that we all experience. So let's go ahead and read those. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. So he starts out in this chapter talking about seasons. For everything, there is a season. A season being this, this period of time that has a start and an end, a beginning and an end. And he, he shows us some specific examples of things that we all go through. And we can add to this list things we know that we all experience. And, and there's lots of good things and lots of tough things in life that we have to experience, that we have to go through. But none of them last. You know, we have exciting times in our lives that we just wish we could, you know, pause time and, and just enjoy it, but it's, it's over eventually. Or we have disappointing, sad times in our lives that we wish we could just skip past that seems to drag on, but eventually those things are over. You know, we enjoy the taste of food, but eventually that taste is out of our mouth. Or we enjoy the excitement of driving a new car, but eventually that car breaks down. Or we enjoy vacation and relaxing, but eventually we have to wake up and get back to work, right? So whatever you might pick, whatever example you might pick here, they all have the same thing in common. And Solomon says, everything under the sun has a beginning and it has an end. And he says about these things in verse 11, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. So all these things, even though they don't last, God's made them for a purpose. They serve a purpose in our life while we're here. But what Solomon wants us to remember is that they are temporary. And so will I focus my life, my energy, my effort on these things that aren't going to last very long? Or am I going to focus my energy and my effort on things that will last for eternity? Because that's what my heart's longing for. That's what God has made our hearts for. You know, this life really wasn't meant to satisfy us because we were made for greater things. We just sang that song, you know, I'm reaching up for higher ground. Because temporary, it doesn't define who we are. You know, we were made with eternity in mind, and I just can't stress that word enough, eternity, eternity. Right? We're going to be saying that over and over again and talking about what that looks like. Because it really, it changes everything for you and me, right? Because now my life is about so much more. My life needs to be about pursuing eternal things, not these physical, material things. They're just going to pass away. And so it's important for us to see that. Back in 2020, we had a theme about, you know, of, about seeing like our vision, um, a spiritual lens or an eternal lens about how we look at life. And that applies to what we're talking about tonight, right? I have to have this eternal lens that I look at life with that I look at life through. 
And without that, if I look around at life, if I see all the things that are going on in my life, I'm going to be really disappointed really quickly. I'm going to be depressed even. Because I have this eternal heart inside of me that is longing for something that's going to last, something that's not going to fade away. But everything that this life has to offer me is just going to go away. So my heart is going to be longing for more. And I think, I think we can go to the New Testament from here. And Jesus really helps us connect with Ecclesiastes, with his Sermon on the Mount. So let's turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So we just looked at what Solomon showed us. He showed us what in life cannot satisfy us. And now Jesus is going to bring to the table what can satisfy us. But what does he mean here? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does that mean? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. What he's trying to say is that those who are craving for what God has said is right, for what God has said is good, those who are trying to obey the will of God, those people, he says, blessed are they, for they shall be satisfied. And why is that? Because God is eternal. Because God's will is eternal. And we can find eternal satisfaction in our hearts by pursuing him. Now let's go on a little further in his sermon. In chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is my heart longing for? Jesus says, treasures in heaven. Those, those are secure, and they can't be taken away from me. So when I read this, what I need to be thinking is, instead of spending so much time in my life trying to make sure that I'm set up here, that I have everything I want here, that I have all the money I want, that I have the perfect house, the perfect job, you know, whatever it might be that you really, really want here. Well, there's nothing wrong with having those things. When I prioritize those over my spiritual needs, over these eternal needs, that's very wrong. And, you know, maybe I won't ever have all those things that I want. Maybe I won't ever have all those, those physical luxuries. But I can be content in knowing that I've put my time, I've put my effort, I've put my energy in things that will last in eternal things, because my heart, my eternal heart, needs eternal treasure. A few more verses down in chapter 6, um, verse 25. We're going to read through the end of the chapter here. Uh, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles are seeking after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how often are we anxious about things that don't even really matter? We get all worked up about things that are probably going to be over the next day or over the next week or the next month, but they're not going to last, right? And Jesus tells us this anxiety comes from seeking after the wrong things, from seeking after these physical things, tangible things like food, clothing, school, work, whatever it may be. Even the things that we need to live here, that we need to survive, we can't prioritize those over our eternal needs because they don't last very long and they're definitely not eternal. And Jesus even acknowledges that God knows that we have needs here in this life. But we can't let these needs here in this life get in the way of our spiritual needs, which are so much more important and will ultimately affect our eternity and our eternal destination. Look at verse 33 again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now those are eternal. Those are worth running after with every ounce of energy that we have. Because that will bring happiness. And it's going to be a happiness that we've never experienced before. It's going to be an eternal happiness. One that never ends. And that's worth thinking about tonight. There's another example Jesus uses in chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So here in this parable, you've got two different people, right? With two different, very different perspectives. The second man has this physical lens that he's looking at life through. Now this man, he's probably doing what a lot of people like to say, living his best life, right? He's probably got a beach house, it sounds like here. He's on the sand. He's probably got a better view. He's probably having more fun. But when the storms of life come in, he wasn't ready for it. He didn't have anything solid to stand on, anything long-lasting to hold on to. And so suddenly when these storms of life hit him, Everything that he thought he had, everything he thought he had accomplished, everything he thought he had achieved that he thought was worthwhile, it's gone in an instant. It comes crashing down right before his eyes, and he's left with nothing. But on the other hand, we have this man that had 
an eternal perspective, right? He saw the importance of having a firm foundation. He saw the importance of having something eternal that he can hold on to that can get him through the storms of life. Because the storms of life are going to come, whether we want them to or not. And we need to have something that our heart can be anchored in, something eternal that will help us hold on through those temporary struggles. Because the struggles will go by. And it's so much easier for us to be able to stand through those when we do have something, something worthwhile to hold on to. And that's what God offers us. He offers us something eternal, something worthwhile. He offers us eternal security in a relationship with him. Because we live in a world that's just constantly changing, constantly shifting, and our relationships seem to come and go. And, you know, our, but our relationship with God, that's something we can rely on. That's something we can know that's not going, not going to change. And I think, at least for me, it's really hard to sort of wrap our minds around this concept of eternity. Because everything here, like we've said, is temporary, right? And so when we think about something that never ends, that's just really hard to understand. And I think that's really where our faith comes into play, right? The more time we spend in God's word, the more time we spend in our relationship with him, the stronger our, our eternal perspective is going to be, the stronger our faith is going to be. And we see from Ecclesiastes that God has given us a taste of this eternalness, right, of this eternity. He's put it in our hearts so that now we have to long, now we long for these eternal things. And it's, it's really foolish if we're going to ignore that. Before we wrap up, turn with me to the end of Ecclesiastes. This is Solomon's conclusion. Ecclesiastes 12, starting in verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So after all Solomon went through, this was his conclusion. This is what he came up with. He said everything has been heard. He's tried everything. We saw that already. He tried everything, every pursuit of happiness he could think of. So why is it that we think we can come to a different conclusion? Why is it so easy for me to go through life looking for loopholes, right? We, maybe Solomon missed this, you know? Maybe, maybe this will make me happy. Maybe he wasn't the same as me. But don't forget Solomon was as wealthy as they get, right? If he wanted something, he had access to it like that. And we'll never have that amount of access as he did. He's already done the work for us. All we need to do is heed his advice. Fear God and keep his commandments. And that's what we're to be about. I think it sounds similar to what Jesus was talking about. That our whole duty, everything we're to be about, is obeying God. Because one day, this verse says, God will bring every deed into judgment. It's going to matter whether or not we were concerned about physical things or eternal things. And because God made each of us with eternity in mind, we all have an eternal destination. And there's only two options. Eternal life or eternal destruction. 
I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a very hard choice. Eternal life or eternal destruction. You know, maybe recently you haven't been eternally focused. Well, the good news is you've got time. It's not eternally too late yet. Or maybe you haven't named Jesus as king of your life, but now you see these eternal consequences of your actions and want to establish this eternal relationship, something that will last in your life. Well, Peter would tell you in Acts 2.38 that you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because that's how we enter in this relationship with God, this eternal relationship. I want to read one more, one more verse with you tonight. Back in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, and verse 14. Here's a promise that God has made to his people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a powerful promise that God has given us. He, he wants a relationship with us. He desires a relationship with us. And he wants it so bad that he sent his son to die for you, to die for me. And he made it possible for us to choose our eternal destination. We need to take advantage of that. And because all he asks in return is that we give him humility and obedience that we submit to him and his will. But not just today, not just tomorrow, not just this week, but for all eternity. And here we see in this verse, when we mess up, and we will mess up, we will go through hard times and we'll trip up, we'll make the wrong decision. But he's laid it out for us here as to how we should respond. So don't give up, don't get discouraged, because God's love for you is eternal. There's a famous phrase that I've heard used that you've all probably maybe used, that all good things must come to an end. And I think we've seen that in Ecclesiastes. I think we've seen that all good things come to an end. All bad things come to an end. But what doesn't come to an end is the greatest things, the eternal things. And that's what we're concerned about tonight. If you don't mind, let's take a moment to pause and sort of reflect and pray on these things we've been talking about tonight. If you would bow with me. Our Holy Father in Heaven, we humbly come before you at this time. As we go through each week, we're constantly bombarded by the world and by its distractions, by all these physical things that don't last. Help us, Father, to be able to stand strong, grounded in your eternal truths. We're so thankful, Father, for your wonderful design of the church that you would have us to be here to begin our week with each other, talking about eternal things, putting our minds on higher ground. Help us, Father, as we enter this new week, that we would have a better eternal perspective. We pray, Father, that we would not be so careless in the things that we fill our hearts with, but that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Father, may we not be greedy while we're living on this earth. But may we be focused on storing up for ourselves treasure that's in heaven. 
And above all, may we seek your kingdom and your righteousness. And as we go through this week and we interact with the world, may we help them to see the vanity of this life, to show them what Solomon found. And may we help lead them to you, that they may enter into this eternal relationship with you. Help us to be able to wrap our minds around this idea of eternity. And may we spend time this week thinking about it, pondering eternity. Father, we're so in awe of your grace and your mercy and your patience towards us. And may we look to you each day for guidance. And in your son's name we pray, amen. So as we go through this week, let's really focus to have our thoughts and our actions centered on eternity, remembering that everything we do will have an eternal significance. So whatever your need may be tonight, please come forward while we stand and sing. Unto the old Lord.